0: Next, we turn to your
1: money, and I'd like to welcome our trusted contributor, Mark Halpern, CEO of wealthinsurance.com, certified financial planner, trust and estate practitioner, and he also has additional expertise in philanthropy. And you know, when we look at the huge gyrations in the markets these days, there's more reason than ever to make sure that your finances are set up in the best and the most efficient way. Now, Mark is here to take your calls and your questions, so let me give the numbers out before we begin. And hi, Mark. Thanks for being with us.
2: Hi, Be Nice to see you again.
1: Okay, people. The numbers to call to talk to Mark, 416-360-0740, 416-360-0740 toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now, we are approaching... RSP and RIF season—that means there's a lot of work to be done.
2: Absolutely, the ads are going to start being heard in a plentiful way on on radio by all the advertisers. Yeah, it's actually uh, it's a, a, a good reminder to me that you know the deadline for RSP contributions is on March the first. Right, And the deadline for paying taxes is on April 30th. So we notice that when we have a deadline, we actually get things done. So this conversation is very appropriate because when it comes to planning, we always say there's a thing we're going to, going to, going to, but we do have to put a deadline to things. So this is a good conversation to have now.
1: Right. And for people who are turning 71, there's that whole additional thing of turning your RSP into a RIF. And it's... uh a
2: lot of work. It's a, ne- it's a next chapter, right? You know, the RSPs were uh, created by the government back in the 60s to encourage Canadians to put money away for retirement because they knew that they couldn't fund Canadians' retirements on CPP alone. So, uh, you know, this year, a Canadian uh, can put away up to 18% of their earned income to a maximum of $26,500 a year. And if you're turning 71, now your RSP has to become an income stream. So now you have to start taking money out of it, which means you're going to now start paying tax. tax. So imagine if your RSPs and RIFs, let's just say, are making 8% and you're taking out 5%. That means it's just a deferred tax account that eventually will have to be paid out to somebody. And the government's going to have their hand out wanting somewhere around 54% of that for any amounts over $220,000.
1: Okay. So what to do?
2: So that's a great, first of all. Uh, it's very important that you you speak to a professional planner, right? And and you can't. This is not sort of something that you do on your own. You don't go to a doctor and sort of or go on doctor Google and come up with your own prescription. You need to find somebody who does planning more than investing. Most Canadians spend time doing investing, but they don't do planning. Planning is getting to a point where you say, how much money do I really need at retirement? What is my tax going to be today? Am I going to run out of money along the way? Is there going to be a whole bunch of never spend money that I have that I could actually start giving way to kids now or grandchildren or for charities and by doing that type of work now you can see can we use some of that money to preserve the my estate I just met with a woman recently uh, for, who had about ten million dollar uh, net worth which is pretty good 70 years of age and and divorced and she was feeling pretty good with her $10 million until I told her that, no, she's not worth $10 million. She's only worth $6.5 million. And she was like- Still what?
1: sounds pretty good. I know.
2: Listen, <laughs> I, I'll, ta- I'll take it. Line me say, you know, Sign me up. But still, it got her attention that there was $3.5 million that was going to tax. So certainly with planning, you can use some of that never spend money uh, in using things like what I'm a specialist in, which is in tax-exempt insurance, to actually preserve an estate.
1: Okay. Uh, So let's talk a little bit more. You've been saving money. Now, first of all, there's a whole issue with RSPs, and that is that uh, most people don't have much in the way of RSPs. They don't have retirement savings. But let's Hmm. say you do. uh, And suddenly, you've been putting money, socking money away in it, like I have. Uh, But there you're getting to the point where it's like, oh, no, I'm going to have to take some of this money out and pay taxes on it, even though I don't necessarily need it.
2: Right. So that, again, it comes back to planning, right? It's it's not something to sort of say, oh, you just came up with that idea on your own, but have you actually put pen to paper to sort of create a plan for yourself to make sure that you're not going to run out of your money? And how much money do you actually need? If you, you realize that, that you're not going to run out of money and hopefully it would be in that situation, that's when you can actually do some planning. And and it really, really requires having somebody, uh, an excellent investment advisor who also is Let's say a certified financial planner or a trust and estate practitioner to sort of be able to look at this. But yeah, most Canadians their big wealth is sitting either in real estate, if you're fortunate enough to own a house in the GTA, the last you know 50 years, or it's sitting actually in retirement money. So there is many, many millions of dollars of of RSPs that people actually have in that they are they are they are holding on to.
1: Okay, uh, if you're at the point where you have to start. Collapsing it. Is there anything you can do then to minimize your tax
2: bill? Absolutely. So, if if, let's say you you didn't need your income from your RSP, let's assume you have other assets or other investments. Well, that or you're still working. Or you're still working. Perfect. So that RSP that you receive, you're paying taxes on. Wouldn't you love to be able to preserve your RSP for your children and your grandchildren? So one of those ways is you could actually take some of the residue of the RSP income, and you could use that to fund uh, life insurance. insurance policy. In this case, it would be most appropriate to do something if you're a husband and a wife to acquire, it's called a joint last to die insurance policy. So it pays out on the second to die of a husband and wife, which is when the taxes are due. What are the taxes? Well, as I said, if you don't have a spouse, let's say you're a single divorced or widowed person, then the government considers you've sold everything at market value when you die, and they're going to want 50% of your registered money. That means RSPs and RIFs. They're going to want 27% of any of the gains you've had in any of your non-registered investment portfolio or any investment real estate. And if you have a company, let's say a holding company, you might be paying up to 50% of that. So you know, that's where some of the planning that we're talking about can really be beneficial.
1: So this is an issue where the government basically discriminates against people who are single, divorced, or widowed. And I'd like to hear from people in our audience, I'm sure a lot of them are in one of those three situations, if they have questions about how to protect their finances, or if they have a comment. Well, I mean, what do you think of that? We've known that being married has certain financial advantages, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, I even wonder in this day and age, does that still make sense? It's certainly not quite fair. So the numbers to call. 416-360-0740, toll-free 866 740 740 I'm here with Mark Halpern. He's happy to take your comments and your questions about how to set up your finances. We've been talking about using insurance to protect your RSP money or however you have your money from taxes. And, uh, you know, the government discriminates against singles, divorces and widows, when it comes to tax. What do you think of that? And do you have questions about that? Again, the numbers to call 416 360 0740, toll free 1 866 740 4740. So, is there anything other than insurance that people in that situation
2: can use? Yeah, then another way is if you're a, a charitable individual. Let's say you, again, you've met with a planner. You're not going to run out of any money. You've got that all straightened away. And let's say you're a charitable individual. So you could actually give away some of your money, some of that income. Let's say you're getting $30,000 of, of income from your, your RIF because now you've matured it at age 71. If you gave that money to charity or set up, let's say, a donor-advised fund or parked it with a foundation, that would get you a charitable receipt for $30,000, which would save all the taxes that are due on the RIF income, assuming you're at the highest tax bracket. That would be a great way to do things as well. Another thing is just consider giving away money while you're a Life, You know, you know, people are always planning to give away money when they die testamentary way in their will. And let's talk about wills for a second. Um, but, you know, certainly think about giving some of that money away to children and grandchildren today. If you're living in the GTA and trying to, you know, raise a family, it's very expensive. So. Perhaps that money could be used and you can see the benefits of it while you're alive. Which well, is a lovely thing. there's
1: a, a Russian expression to give while the hand is still warm.
2: Absolutely. But I was just mentioning about wills for a second. Really very important topic is just, you know, most people don't have a will. They say that, you know, 40% of the population has a will. And of those 40%, 80% of them are not up to date. So let's start with that subject because that will address also who your, your RIF or your RSP money is going to.
1: Okay, let's take a call from Linda in Hamilton. Hi, Linda. Um, I turned on late, I'm sorry, and I would like a little bit more information or tell me where to go and look it up regarding this insurance um, that I can use to protect um, my investments or my money that I'm actually not needing right this moment so that when my children, when I do drop off, um, my children don't have a big tax hit.
2: Uh, it's a great, great question, Linda. I missed the first part. My, my, my. Are you are you married, single, divorced?
1: Both. I mean all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all of the above. Okay, so yes, then all of assume- the
1: above at one point. So yes. I'm assuming
2: that everything you have is going to be the beneficiaries are going to be your children. Correct.
1: Yes. Whatever I can beneficiary, I have beneficiary, but. I want to know a lot about this
2: insurance business. Yeah, absolutely. Look at we. You have to realize that when somebody dies and there are taxes that are due. Uh, the the beneficiaries or the estate has to pay those taxes. Where do they come up with the money? Either they have the cash to pay for it or they have to borrow money to pay the taxes or they have to start selling assets like RSPs or their house or you know whatever mm-hmm. the case. May be. Or you can use this tax exempt insurance. Insurance is one of the last few bastions that we have left in the tax act that are actually tax exempt, other than your principal residence that you don't pay taxes on when it gains and you sell it, or a TFSA, or lottery winnings in Canada are also not taxable, but life insurance is also something that is tax-exempt. So it, it might be a good idea to look at how can you use that insurance to preserve what you have or actually enhance what you have for your kids with really spending pennies on the, on the dollars to acquire it. But it does require having a, a little bit deeper dive conversation.
1: Okay, so can I Google tax-exempt insurance in Canada and absolute, I can get you,
2: info? Absolutely. Or you can just go to our website, wealthinsurance.com, or even send me an email to marketwealthinsurance.com. We're happy to send you information on that and share it with you. And uh, we have advisors all across the country who can meet with you as well, so uh, either on the phone or in person, and I think that would be beneficial as well because your situation is not a cookie cutter, right? It's unique to Linda, and you want to yes. make sure that we're addressing what's, what's important to you.
1: I appreciate that information. I will probably I'll go online and I'll send you an email.
2: Excellent. Okay. Look forward to hearing from you.
1: Thank you, Linda, for your call. Okay. Now I am going to get to these calls in a moment, but first there's just one thing I want to go over with you, Mark, and there is an alternative to an RSP that is better for some people. Tell us yeah, about actually, it. Yeah,
2: actually, it's really for businesses that are incorporated professionals. So it could be an incorporated lawyer, corporate doctor, incorporated account, accountant. And it's called an IPP, which stands for an individual pension plan. Think of a pension plan. You know, they've sort of gone gone by the wayside. That was back in the day when you got a gold watch and you had a pension plan. But the government actually allows business owners to set up a pension plan and what that looks like is it allows them to put up to 65% more into this plan than a traditional RSP. Also it allows you to go back with past service in terms of how long you've been working there and T4-ing yourself since 1992 and actually make a huge deposits your in your pension plan, and it's a deduction for the company, and it's a non-taxable benefit to you, the owner-manager of the company. So it's a wonderful way to create a much larger retirement pool for yourself, and in cases where you have children working in your business, actually be able to continue the pension plan to them, as opposed to having a big tax bite on the second to die of a husband and wife.
1: Wow. Okay, that's a whole
3: uh, that's
2: a whole, whole other segment chapter yeah, in absolutely. itself.
1: But yeah. let's let's hear from Tibor and Pickering. Hi, Tibor.
3: Hello there. Uh, interesting uh, topic you have today. So I'm calling about. Uh, I want to uh, find out uh, where Mark's from. Is it wealthinsurance.com? dot com? Yep. Just the way it's spelled. Yep. All capital or lowercase doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay. So. How, like you said, how can you, uh, you? I worked all my life. I saved. I've had money in RRSPs. Now I'm finding out that whatever's left over, whether it's uh, five cents or fifty grand or a hundred grand, when I die, that's going to be taxed as my estate. So, how is there? What can you tell me? That is there a vehicle to prevent that? This uh,
2: yeah, so, tax, so, so
3: insurance. T- what is
2: that? Tibor, are you are you married, single, divorced?
3: I've uh, divorced, widowed, and single at the present time.
2: Okay, got it. So, and you have children?
3: I have one son left and an eighteen-year-old granddaughter. Okay, the so I'm, assu-
2: I'm assuming 18-year-old. your estate you wanted to give be given to your Sorry? son and to your grandchild, right?
3: Yes, correct.
2: Okay, good. So, so it's really looking at what assets you have, Tibor. So it's really putting on paper, what is Tibor worth? What's his net worth? And seeing what's registered money, what's non-registered money. You, do you own your own home, Tibor? Yes, I do. Yeah, So, and if you own your own home and, and it's just your name on that house, so there's also another tax in Ontario called probate taxes, which is yes. 1.5% of the market value. So if you have a million-dollar house, the government's going to want $15,000 of an estate administrative tax for that. Notice the acronym, E-A-T. It's an EAT. They grab it. So mm-hmm. the, it really is sitting down and looking at all of your assets and then making a plan from there. But if you have any uh, registered money to you Anything over $220,000, and God forbid you die today, the government's getting 54% of that.
3: The government can take how much of that?
2: 50, 54% of 54%. anything over $220,000, yeah.
3: So if it's under that money, what, uh, under that amount, what can they take?
2: They're going to take, it's all going to be based on your marginal tax rates. In, can, in, in Canada, Ontario... We have marginal tax system, so anybody earning over 220000 is taxed at 53.53%. Yeah, uh,
3: it's a sliding scale. I'm, uh,
2: yeah. I'm kind so, of
3: familiar with it. I'm having a battle with CRS as well. Right. And uh, you know their judge, jury, and execution are right on the spot. So Tibor, get topic.
2: get some professional get some professional help. I really suggest sit down. Please be in touch with, with my us. Psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like a, but it's kind it's kind of difficult for me to give you a prescription, Tibor, without yeah, a, without like the. That. Without the diagnostics, that's called malpractice. Yeah. So we're happy to you know, discuss it. Please be in touch and we can help. Now,
3: okay. where is your office located? In-
1: uh, all of that is online. Go to wealthinsurance.com or email Mark or call him. Thanks for your call, Tibor. Okay. Let's go to Bill in Toronto. Hi, Bill.
0: Hi. My question is about TFSAs. I, mean, I always have this thing in the back of my head, how they work. But if I were to lose say, $30,000 in my TFSA last year, and it was a stock that basically ceased to exist. It became worthless. Can I recontribute that 30000 or is that just...
2: No, nope, it's gone. It would be lovely, wouldn't it? If you had 100000 you lost $100,000, and here, I'll pluck another 100000 And No, it's based on, you can make contributions of $6,000 a year, Bill. And well, right, okay. right now, if you had been maxing out since the beginning, you'd probably have about 90,000, you know, just in contributions and not taking into account any gains that people have had. But, yeah, there are people who take very long shots. I actually heard of a guy who had a TFSA with $11 million in it. <laughs> he had invested in, like, penny stocks and other stocks and just, you know, whatever. I'd like to hang my, my cart onto his horse. But, yeah, no, you can't, you can't top it up, Bill.
0: But if I were to say, if my TFSA went up to a million, yeah, and I took that million out, yeah, I could come back five years later and put that million back in,
2: right? Yeah, you're taking out money from your your TFSA, so it's like your your account is, you know, it, it is that account that's available to you. Look, at, there's, there is something else out there. We actually promote a, uh, a TFSA where people like TFSAs because your money grows tax-free. The problem is you can only put $6,000 into it. We have a no-limit type TFSA for individuals and business owners as well, and where you can put money in and there's no limit. Your money grows tax-free and you can Access it tax-free and pass it along pretty much tax-free as well. That's actually how tax-exempt life insurance works. So it might be worthwhile understanding how that works because it is a way to accumulate considerably more and still have the special tax treatment.
0: So it's used the life insurance as...
2: It, it, again, I'm not saying it's yeah. I'm not saying it's one versus the other. It has to be part of a comprehensive plan. So I really recommend, as I said, sitting down with somebody to sort of look at what does what does Bill really need in terms of you know his his, his retirement and estate planning, and then actually create a plan that's going to be really customized to what you need. Okay, Bill. Don't get too risky with your TFSA investments.
1: I yeah, uh, that's a uh, that's an object lesson. Though a little risky, maybe. Thanks so much, Bill, for your call. Thanks. Okay, uh, let us go to Teresa in Etobicoke. Hi, Teresa. Hi, Libby. Um, nice to hear your voice there. Um, I just wanted to ask about something, and that is, um, if you have children. Uh, is it wise to have joint accounts with them, like to spread out your money, say, even if you give two joint accounts per child or something like that?
2: Yeah, there's That's a it, it, this is a very common question, and you really need to speak to a, a professional about this. Why? Because... The only reason you would have a child on a uh, an account of yours, or let's say it's your real estate, your house or your condo or a bank account, is what you're trying to do is you're trying to avoid something called probate taxes. Because as I said to the earlier caller, if somebody dies and they're the only named on title for property or any investments, there's a 1.5% probate tax. And by having a child on it, now that tax will not exist because the account will roll over to the other child who's on title. But here's where you have to be aware, that money actually now belongs to that child while you're alive in other words they have access to that money if they are married and they have any sort of matrimonial problems that money is available to them and actually they should be paying 50 percent of your tax on any of the gains as well that you've been making so it's not so simple you know i've had situations where a mother put a daughter on the condo and there were two other kids, and mom died, and now all of a sudden daughter gets it and says, no, mom said that the condo belongs to me. That's why my name is on the title. And then, of course, that only builds up an entire huge industry in the legal world called estate litigation. And there's a right. the biggest area. So it's not one of those things to just do you know, off the cuff. It really does require some more understanding of your situation. But and understanding of your children. Yes, your kids too. Are they really responsible? and you know, right. really, right. it's it's not so simple.
1: Okay, oh, Teresa, okay. thank you. Okay, I hope thank that, you for that. I hope you that helps. Let's go to Ed in Tilsonburg. Hi, Ed. Hi, Libby. How are you today? Fine. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, quick question here. I'm turning 65 here in a couple of weeks. Happy birthday.
3: Happy
2: birthday. Thanks.
3: Thanks. Uh, my employer was wondering if I wanted to opt out of my CPP contributions. Uh, do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea?
2: Such a It's a loaded question, Ed, because without all the information in front of us, it's kind of hard to, to, to sort of figure that out. We always have questions. Should I take my pension and move it out and manage it myself or can I take the commuted value of it you know there's all it really requires looking at what the offer is that's being put in front of you by your employer and 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 it's kind of like you know you go to the mechanic to get your car done most people just want to pay the money and the car works but some people want to open up the hood and really see what's happening there you know and and polish up the engine so I think it would be really important to see what exactly they're offering under that hood for you to make sure that you're making the best decision.
3: Yeah, but this is strictly on my CPP contributions. Oh, this
2: is CPP that you're talking about? Yeah. So I don't understand. You know what? Maybe offline, because it's a specific question to you. I don't know how it would apply, you know, send me a note, Mark at wealthinsurance.com. I'm happy to answer that CPP. Normally, you know, you're going to continue. You're going to start receiving CPP benefits. Well, once you, turn don't you, you don't have to. You can wait till age 70, in which case you get about 42% more by waiting. You can also start at age 60, but it's about 5% less per year that you'd be getting, you know, right. by starting early. So it has to be looked upon in terms of your overall financial planning. And I think that starts with having a conversation
1: okay okay Ed thanks right, for I, that all right
2: bye.
1: okay uh, let's try to take one more uh, it'll have to be really really quick and in Burlington me hi quickly hello? please hi hello hi uh, my que- yeah can you hear me yep good okay my question is I have my residence
3: you know my, the house I live in and I had bought a rental property 40 something years ago. So my question is, if I paid 40,000 for that house and I could get eight or 900 today, which I'm told I could, I'm not selling it, but if I could, uh, well,
1: what, what would the tax when I sell it, <laughs> yeah, I know I'm sick. So, I
3: really need to talk to some real
2: sick really, man. You really, there, I'll put it to you this way: I'm sick this, over this. this. is this. First of all, this is a very good problem, Look man. To have. Okay, yes. Don't be Just sick don't, over it. Don't it's be okay. sick. It's a great problem. And mm-hmm. the other good thing is that you mm-hmm. can deal with this now while the sun is shining. Yes. Right. So mm-hmm. really, you, you definitely, you you can have a potential tax there of you know two hundred thousand dollars at least. Right. Mm-hmm. Or yeah. Know, so, so, two hundred two hundred fifty thousand dollars 'cause you know the the government's gonna want the gains of whatever you paid for it and what is the value today. That's the word. Capital gains tax. So, you know, there might be a better way for you to actually not pay any of those taxes and be able to keep that property in your family.
1: I I really think you need to see a a professional (laughs) to figure that one out. I got a question for both of you. Okay, Okay. we can't. Sorry, we're out of time. You can uh, call Mark or wealthinsurance.com. And uh, like we said, that's a good problem to have. And I wish you all the best of luck with it. And thanks. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Okay. uh, We really are pushing it out of time. We could not get to everybody's calls and questions for Mark. Uh, One little tip. Next time we have Mark on, start calling right when he gets on. We (laughs) won't have to do this. And Mark Halpern, thank you so much for being with us. And we'll see you again soon.
2: Yeah, I'll be back
0: in a couple of weeks.
1: Okay. That's great.
0: You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.